So welcome to uh, week number two of our series called Called To. Uh, Called To is where we talk about kaleo. And kaleo is a Greek word that just means called, to be called. Um, To this you were called. And we looked at it uh, last week at 1 Peter where it describes what we were called to. And we're going to continue to do that. So last week we talked about that you were called to care. This week you are kaleo. You are called to generosity. Um, And this is good news. If you are in earnest pursuit of Jesus, or or even if you're just trying to connect a little bit more with Jesus, you're trying to figure out the whole Jesus thing, generosity is a huge facet of the nature, the heart, the character of God. And one of our faith catalysts that, that we have is called private disciplines. One of those disciplines is generosity. And we would talk about it here all the time as we believe in generosity in time, in treasure, and in talent. So if you earnestly desire to grow in your faith, if that is something that you want to do, this generosity thing is part of the pathway on how to get there. And so the Apostle Paul, he, uh, he describes some of the interrelationships between those early churches. There's the church of Jerusalem, and at this time when, when we're going to jump into the story, they are under heavy persecution. They are suffering horribly. And as Paul travels around the Mediterranean Rim and into uh, Asia, he's planting churches and he's visiting churches, and he's very clear there about sharing the need, and he describes it as the opportunity to be available to help. Generosity is called opportunity. And so in 2 Corinthians 9, we jump in, it says, because of the service provided, uh, you approved yourself, others will praise God for that obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your share, your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You're called to be generous. But here's a key thought, and we, we said this before, we're going to say it again at another time, it'll come up. Generosity, again, like we talk about, time, treasure, talent, is not so much about the stuff, it's not money, it's not things, it's always a reflection of our heart in relationship to God. Where do we stand with God? That's how we measure those things. So Jesus kind of explained what this looks like when he was on earth. If we look at Matthew chapter 6, you'd see this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our eyes drift where our eyes look. So it's just like driving a car, right? Um, Are your eyes completely obsessed by all the stuff that's around you? Is that all you can see? Or do you have eyes up? Is your heart drifting towards the things of God? So as we go forward, some of my personal story is going to come out in this because God has been transforming my heart. I'm not done, but I'm in the process, right? On my own, I would very much like to be a selfish, self-centered, materialistic acquisition engine. I'd like it. I want to do it. But God's been changing my heart to become more like his heart. He's trying to work in me, and I'm resisting, to be generous. He wants a generous heart in me. Our God is forever known as being generous. See if you can finish this sentence, okay? I forgot what the sentence was. How funny is that? (laughs) I can totally remember. For God so loved the world that he... Yeah, see, that was pretty good. I love this honesty that we have, the authenticity. My miserable failure right in front of you. It's beautiful. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
He gave, and our God is generous, and He calls us to be generous. He calls us to reflect His character and nature. That's what we're supposed to do, right? So I realize that I'm a selfish person, incredibly selfish, and it comes up in all kinds of different ways. And so I decided I don't necessarily want to stay like this. And so I began praying, God, change my heart, and please give me my own faith story. Right at the very beginning of Into One, um, I was receiving no income, right? We didn't, there, was no in, uh, there was no income to have, and there was no Into One. I had no steady income. I was sort of surviving on um, speaking gigs that I got to pick up. And we were putting the plans together for some of those meetings that would become what Into One was to be. No name yet, just an open door. Uh, but we continued, uh, Cheryl and I continued to commit to give money from whatever source it came from so that we would continue to be faithful in our tithing. So I was preparing to teach at a retreat um, with another church, and Cheryl was, was, uh, was just finishing up working with a group where she provided childcare. And on her last day there, Wednesday, um, they took up a love offering, which is a way for people to say, hey, thanks, we appreciate you, goodbye, good luck, we're going to miss you, okay? So this money is left sealed in an envelope because came home, we kind of got busy, we had other things to do. Thursday, we notice that our vehicle has a flat tire. So I've got one of those reinflators. I reinflate the tire. Everything feels fine. Friday morning, get up again, and that tire is totally flat. Now, I'm going to be picked up mid-afternoon on Friday to go to this retreat. And Cheryl is scheduled to take the kids up to my brother's house to visit him and his family in Muskoka. So I get my inflator out, and I, and I do the tire up again, and I drive, and I go to Canadian Tire, and I give a quick explanation to the guy there, and this whole thing is surreal, okay? Um, the guy looks at the car, and he says, wow, you're lucky you don't have four flat tires. Uh, you've got some seriously old tires here. You're going to need four new tires, and I knew that, okay? It's not like he's a, a great mechanic or whatever. I knew that. I just didn't want it to be true, and I didn't want it to be true now, right? Not now! So he asks me, why the rush? What are you doing? So we get into this little chat. There's no one around, so this is already kind of a weird thing, and I tell him what I'm going to do, and I tell him what I do. I'm going to teach at this retreat. And this is really weird because people don't ask these kind of questions, but he's interested, so he keeps probing. He keeps asking me. So I kind of answer him, and then being the man of excellence that I am, I say, can you tell me about your lowest-priced tire? Um, and he says, man, don't buy those. Those are lousy. They're really only here as a price point, so we can, uh, we can show the difference between things. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a deal. Last week, we just had our top-of-the-line tires on sale. So I'm going to give you the top-of-the-line tires for less than the price of the lowest-rated tire. All you need to do is pay for the installation, or pay for the tires, the insulation, the, the balancing, whatever else car people do with that stuff, we'll just do it for free, okay? So I'm kind of surprised, to say the least, because this is not the way conversations normally go. But, and he says, uh, so put, put in a, a good word with me with the man upstairs. That's what he says. And so I'm thinking, okay, I got this retreat that I'm going to do. They're going to pay me something. I don't know what they're going to pay me, but I guess all the money that they're going to pay me and then some is going to go to buy these tires. Okay, at least we're not going to go farther behind. 
He says, okay, I'll bump you in right now. I'll get you in because I know that you're in a hurry. I go, wow, this is not normal. I pay the man and, and I get the tires. I go home and I tell Cheryl what happened. And she says, okay, don't forget about the envelope that I got on Wednesday. We opened the envelope and in the envelope, sitting in there, sealed up, was the money for the tires short by about 73 cents. God doesn't provide for you to store it. He provides so that you can use it. That story was a huge faith builder for me. And that's part of the groundwork that set up what into one became. Faithful provision from God is in our DNA. It was there from the very beginning. So I'm going to try and describe for you a generous person, and you can decide whether or not you agree with me, okay? So the first thing I'm going to say is that a generous person, generous people start with the tithe. The most basic place for giving for the follower of Christ is the tithe. Giving to God what belongs to God. And so we get this from Leviticus. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to God. Now, holy doesn't mean magic. It gets a a whole lot of different feelings when you hear about it. It's not God magic. It means set aside for or set apart for, set apart for special usage. The tithe is holy, set apart for God's focus. And you can be holy if you're set apart for God's focus, set apart for the use of God. So tithe is a word that comes from ancient Hebrew, and that word is masar. Can you all say masar? Yeah, it means one-tenth. One-tenth or a tithe of everything that God gives us belongs to Him. Now, this next part will be a change in understanding, okay? It's no lie. We don't think like this at all. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit hard. The tithe, it belongs to God. In Malachi 3, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And he says, in tithes and offerings, misappropriating what is set aside for God, what was holy for God. It is not set aside when we choose to set it aside. It is set aside before we even received it. The only question is whether or not we will allocate it, that money, to God, or do we reallocate it to ourselves? And what is God working at when he institutes the tithe? Is his goal really our misery and poverty? No. First of all, tithing shows me that I put God first. And that's good for me. Helpful for me. God is teaching the people of Israel. How do we relate to God? How do we have this? How do I put you in my mind, God? How do I think about you all the time? How does this relationship work? So Moses is taking some of that information and he's teaching the people, how do we put this into our lives? How do we live this thing out? And he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 14. He talks about the tithe, teaching us how to revere God. Now someone translated loosely this way. You'll see the proper translation up here, but this is the other one. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. It is a consistent reminder to put God first. So I want to illustrate it this way for you. I have in my hand some coins, okay? We'll count them out. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, no. Nine, ten. <laughs> Nine, 
10. Now, how much of this would be a tithe? One coin. Now, which coin is the tithe? The first one. The first one. The Bible calls it first fruits. We set aside, Cheryl and I do this, we practice this, 10% at the beginning of the month. And by faith, we say to God, God, hmm, we're putting you first. I'm doing this by choice. I want you to be first in my life. And I have a plan. My plan is to follow you. That plan is to follow God and to trust him with all of that stuff that I have in my hands that seems so important. So that leaves 90%. We believe, we've become convinced that um, you can do more with God and 90% than you can do with 100%. God, we put you first. And here's a visible reminder. Every single month it teaches us. Every single month it reminds us, God, we are putting you first. We are putting our lives in your hands. All we have comes from you. And I need regular reminders. Do you benefit from regular reminders? I mean, the tithe reminds me so that I don't forget, so that I don't get distracted, that I desire, it's my choice, I want to put God first in my life. Now, how do we tithe? Back to Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, the Old Testament storehouse is a picture of the New Testament church. The church is God's chosen vessel to reach the world. Could he have made a better one? Probably But he chose the church and he chose us to be his uh, partners. So God works in partnership with and through the church. We bring our tithe into the church and then the offerings then go to all the other places that we feel called to give. We bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, that there may be nourishment, that that there be spiritual nourishment. The generous person starts with a tithe. It teaches us to put God first. The second thing that it does is that, and this is awesome, it's also spiritually transformative. Tithing strengthens my faith in God. Strengthens my faith. So if I got nothing, it helps me to get past nothing. If you have a shaky faith, start tithing and watch as God proves himself. The only place in Scripture that God says, test me, is Malachi 3. Everywhere else he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Malachi 3, he says, test me. God is saying regarding the tithe, you don't believe me? Give it a shot. Test me. Bring it. Put me to the test. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you, have not, you will not have room enough for it. It's not magic, and we're not saying you get rich, right? But it's a promise of God. We believe that we are on a road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus. We believe that faith can't be given. I can't, I can't give you a box of faith, but it can be grown. And to aid us in the growing of faith, we have identified, again, our five faith catalysts. You can get a, a card at the back that has them all there, one of which is private disciplines, And these are things that are not exactly fun on the outside, but they are powerful on the inside. They're powerful to aid you in growing faith and growing your faith relationship with God. Generosity is one of those disciplines. Generosity, again, time, treasure, talent. If you're not generous in one of these areas or more than one of these areas, then that might just be a next 
step for you. How do I take another step in my journey? Try this. Take a next step. So here's one. Try out the three-month challenge, okay? What's that? You tithe faithfully to God for three months. You ask Him to guide you through that time. Tell Him your needs. Ask for His provision throughout that time. You can even tell Him that you're taking the 90-day Malachi test. And at the end of three months, God will have proven Himself to you. He will prove Himself faithful to you. You will survive. You will get through. You will have had new opportunities. And if you are not satisfied, if you don't like it, you did all that and you say, no, God didn't come through for me. You call me up. No questions asked. We will, cat, we will cut you a check for 100% of the money that you've given in the past three months. Why? Because God says, test me. I believe God. I'm not worried. He's provided for me so many times in the past, time and time again. And the freedom that it can bring you is incredible. And so I want to help you get there by guaranteeing that you don't have to worry. Imagine the freedom of having your own faith story that you can point back to. Not mine, not somebody else's, your story. God comes through. I didn't say that he was going to make you debt free in that time, but God will show up and he'll show up in big and small ways. If you pursue him, if you trust him, and in this case, test him. Level one, generous people start with the tithe. Level two, generous people give willingly. We give above the tithe to other ministries, to other people, to people who are in need. The Apostle Paul, again, he was going around, he was talking to the new churches, people who were just getting this Jesus thing going in their heads. And as he visited them, he's telling them about the Jerusalem church, the suffering of the church, the church that birthed them all. And he gave them the opportunity to help, to give, to participate financially in aiding the people in Jerusalem. And he said, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, no pressure. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Level one, we start with the tithe. Level two, cranks it up and we add in willingness. It's a joy. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. So, a couple of months after Griffin was born, probably um, a little bit after the tires, we received a letter from the government confirming uh, his birth and our family registration with them. They showed on their listing Merlin and Griffin. Finley was not on the list, and I panicked. Um, we don't mess with the government. So I called them up right away and I told them the error and I began to try and apologize for the problem. And this really calm, patient, nice lady on the phone says, it's okay, it's okay, relax. You're freaking me out. Uh, this happens all the time, all right? So you are calling to file for back payment of benefits. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not here to cause trouble. I'm not here to, to whip up a stink. I just want to correct the error so that we can go forward properly. Well, sir, the only way you can do that is by filing for back payments of child, back payments of the child benefits. Well, okay. What do I have to do? Get me started. And so she goes, hey, paperwork. And then there's lots of paperwork. And then there's lots of paperwork and three installments. 
I get one done, and then you start on the next. So we do a quick tally, and we kind of figure out in our heads what we think that we're going to get someday, right? Who knows when it's actually going to show up? And then we forget all about it because it's gone. The paperwork's finally done. And sometime later, we're camping. And we, again, this is kind of weird. We went to the chapel service at a campground, like on a Sunday morning, we went to church. Kids were so happy. And we just happened to meet up with a missionary couple that we had met maybe 10 years before. And they're great people. They had really connected with us well, and we, we thought they were fantastic. We really appreciated their story. And now they're home, and they're retired, and they had to come home early for medical reasons. Um, and they're living on very little. And when they described it, man, it really saddened me. And so Cheryl and I decided that we should do something about that. We know that we have this theoretical money coming from the government sometime. And so we say, why don't we give these beautiful people half of the money that's probably coming someday, right? So boom, we write the check and we write a, a beautiful letter thanking them for their awesomeness and how they changed our lives and how they spoke to us. Time passes. A wonderful man uh, with a family of four awesome kids. He loses his job. And we're shocked. Um, this is going to be really hard for them, obviously. Um, and so Cheryl and I, we talked together, we prayed about this, and we, and we said, why don't we give them the rest of this theoretical money that is coming to us? You know, it was never really ours anyway. God has been providing for us um, so much that we don't even have to think about it. We have no steady income, and yet we are so well taken care of, never worried once about rent, payments, or anything. So we write the check. And we write them a letter too. We tell them they're awesome people and they're important to us and we value them. Time passes. And I go to get the mail. And I'm reading the bank statement because, you know, I just like to do that. Um, it's always kind of a faith uh, exercise at this time. And, and I read it and then I just crack. I just start crying. And I'm just overwhelmed. And Cheryl sees me from across the room and she fingers, oh no, things just got ugly. What's wrong? I pull myself back together. I look at the statement. Even though we gave those two checks weeks apart that crossed months, they got cashed on the same day. The same day that the government money was direct deposited into our account. The same day that we realized that the government direct deposited into our account twice. Once for the amount that we had calculated. Once for the amount that we thought we were supposed to get. And then once for the money that we were actually owed, but we didn't know anything about. We had ended up giving away all of the money that we thought we were going to get. All the money that we knew of. Only to discover that it was actually going to be only one third of the total amount that came to us. My God provides, and he does it in style, okay? He's going to do it in a way that there's going to be delight in telling this story. The generous person starts with the tithe, and then they give willingly. And Paul goes on to describe that cheerful, willing giver. 2 Corinthians 8, he says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. 
This was a broke group of people who gave what they had, and Paul called it rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. God, help us to give beyond our ability. Because at that point, beyond our ability, our trust in you, our faith is experienced. God, you become necessary for my survival. Our partnership with you is manifested. Level one is where we start with the tithe. Level two, we step it up. The willing, cheerful giver. Then level three, it's where I'd really like to live. I'm not there yet. I wish I was. But I'm still, I'm still working at it. Level three, the generous heart. Number three, generous people give sacrificially. They give not just out of their abundance. I got too much. I got extra. But they, they give and then they have less. They, they, they want to give and feel it. They, they want to know that they gave. They want to be able to track this and say, I'm testing you again, God. So King David was like this with his people. They were under a curse. Um, a, a plague was through the land. And, and he says, I want to give a sacrifice to God. I want to connect with God again. And so the guy that he's with says, sure, David, king, no problem. Look around here. You can have anything that you want. Take it and go sacrifice it. And David says, no, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I want to give it. I want to feel it. And I want to be a cheerful, sacrificial giver. There's a really, really wealthy guy. And uh, he's in a small church and he stands up. And he was giving this really condescending kind of testimony. And he said, the reason I got so much money and, and, and all you other folks are broke is because 20 years ago, I was down to my last hundred dollars. And God moved on my heart, and I gave the entire hundred dollars away. I gave it all away. Because I gave it away, God blessed me with millions of dollars. And if you, if you had all been there then, if you'd given yours away, you'd be rich too and not broke like you are now. And a little old lady steps up in the back, and she says, I dare you to give it all again. Have you ever risked it? Have you ever given sacrificially, saying, God, I trust you. I love you so much. And I love living in partnership and working with you. And I want to see what you see. I want you to take these things that I think are valuable, but it's really just meagerness. And I want to make them valuable and life-changing and transformative. Why do you think this kind of stuff excited Jesus so much? Because he knows the story. He knows the good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. There is no more generous gift than the gift of God's son. Kaleo. You are called to this. Let's pray. God, I thank you for being in the trenches with us. When Jesus came down, he got messy and dusty and dirty, the whole bunch, just like we do. 
And he understood what, what real value looks like. We get deceived into believing that the value comes from those things, that stuff, and not what we do with the stuff. So free us, God, I pray, not to be unwise, but to be wise, but to be filled with faith, that our lives would be transformed because we are filled with faith. Our dependence is on you. Our trust is in you. Without you, it all falls apart. I confess that I don't want to live like that very frequently. I want, to, I want to live with a firm backing. I want to live with, with a parachute with two chutes in it. I want, to, I want to live in as much as I can call safe and prepared as I can. But the truth is, when we were the least prepared, we sensed you better. And you never let us down. You provided for us time and again. You built our faith. You brought us to a place of freedom. We didn't have to scrounge and we didn't worry. God, I pray this gift for my friends because I know that it doesn't matter how much money you have, it's not enough. And I know that there are times when we look and we say, I, I can't even make the bills. How, how much can I do more? And I go, hey, just take a step. If you can't do the whole thing at once, just take a step. Just take a step that says, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you a little bit more. I'm real nervous about this. I, I got kids to take care of. I got to be wise. But I also want to trust you. I also want to sense that you are alive and you are real and you are in my life. And once I get past that point, I can trust you more as I go forward. Help us today, we pray, to be obedient, but then to get to the place of, of willingness, of delight and joy in opportunity. Allow us to find you faithful as we trust you. Thanks so much for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You are under the care and the watch of God the Father Almighty. Your worries and your cares are real, but more real still is the one who provides beyond all that you can ask or even imagine. Faith brings freedom. May you find it this week again. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for coming. Middle of the summer. You're bold. You're brave. You're beautiful. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. And even though we've been praying and sending people away to go to other places, we also have this sense that the family is still the family even when they don't sit in the same spaces. So our family is about. That's a good thing. Hope to see you again next week. As you go, I'd love to send you out reminding you that you gathered here so that you can live there, right? This is not the experience. This is supposed to be a recharge so that you can go and be Jesus wherever you go. You take him with you. You live that. You take the Holy Spirit in you, and you share that with you go. So as you go, we want to remind you that we are Christ-focused. He's first. We are uh, Spirit-empowered. You don't ever walk alone. And that we're mission-focused. We don't just go to meander. We go on purpose. The mission that we're on is for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Have a wonderful week.